How dare you besmirch the name of Mead? Yeah, well, I've been doing that my whole life. No, nobody's yeah. ever done that before. <laughs> Welcome back to Royals Weekly. I am your host, Marcus Mead, and joining me, as always, the DMV of people, my brother, Mike. What? I'm, I'm the Rolls Royce of people. Some, somebody just won us a prop parlay today. You're welcome. All right. <laughs> my back is hurting from carrying my brother because he's heavy, as you can see. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm the Rolls Royce of people, ladies and gentlemen. The DMV. Get out of here. If I'm any government yeah. institution, it's probably the health department. <laughs> yeah, I would. Here's what's wild. You can tell that you're a great guy by uh, the way you judge how whether or not people are good. If you're good at gambling, Mike thinks you're a good person, and that's so right. you know that's his whole metric for life. If you're, which he's not actually good at gambling, he managed to find a nut today. The blind squirrel found a nut today, but uh, you know it's, it's it's hit and miss like crazy with this guy. And so uh, yeah, I also hit a couple today too because I'm really really good at this. But anyway. Um, <laughs> I just welcome back to Royals Weekly. We're so glad to have you. It's our December episode. It's been a month, Mike. It's been a month since we actually did this, which is weird because in my mind, we're doing Royals Weekly 24 seven. And so I don't really notice. So it's been a month since we put on an episode, but it has been. Guess guess what's been happening? Virtually nothing. And so yeah, haven't missed a whole lot in that month if, if you've been waiting. We're, we'll catch you up on what's happening with the rest of this episode and then preview a little bit the winter meetings that are happening. They started today, technically. And so, uh, but we'll talk a little bit about the rule five draft and stuff like that. Trades and free agency are still happening and are should kick up now that, uh, now that the winter meetings are happening. But first we want to remind you to follow us on all the social medias, follow us on X slash Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook, follow, subscribe on YouTube, follow Mike on threads, Mike's on threads. And so, you know, Woo-hoo. I want to get a hashtag Mike's on threads, uh, because <laughs> the stuff he's putting out there is it's- gorgeous. It's, it's getting, Threads is getting uh, busy, getting up there. Okay. See, Mike's, Mike's building a following on Threads. He's the next James Jones. Who knows? Uh, Jim (laughs) Jones, whatever it is. Uh, Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Follow us on those because when we're not posting episodes, we are posting there, right? Like I've been posting a thread a day, at least on, on on Twitter, just sort of arguing with people about the necessity of taking roll five picks, just crazy stuff. And so, yeah, follow us on those social medias. You'll see all the content that we're putting out. It, it gets way deeper than just what we talk about on the show. I also want to remind you that Royals Weekly is brought. Oh, we got it. That's right. We got a new sponsor, Mike. We got a new sponsor. We got to talk about it. Royals mm-hmm. Weekly is brought to you by Eric Oksher of West USA Realty. Phoenix has all of our favorite things. Year round golf, year round baseball and Eric Oksher of West USA Realty. Whether you want to buy your dream retirement home or just stay a while and catch spring training, Eric can help you find the perfect house for you. We've known him for 30 years and trust him far more than we even trust ourselves. Yeah, I tried to sign my power of attorney over to him, but uh, he wouldn't take it because it comes with a heaping load of debt. So (laughs) (laughs) So he's wise, too. Uh, He does long term (laughs) rentals for the snowbird crowd and home sales and purchases for those who want to stay a while longer. Are you a baseball parent or player who needs a place to stay in the Phoenix area? Eric will find you the perfect spot fast. Do you want to spend time shanking golf balls into the great beyond? Eric knows the golf scene like Mike knows the inside of a Denny's bathroom. You know, they're cleaner than you'd think. Find Eric on Instagram if you can figure out how to spell his name. It's a great mystery. E-R-I-C-K-A-U-X-I-E-R. Or just shoot him a text at 480-383-9745. That's 480 480- 
383-9745. Even if you're just curious about what he can do for you, he's 100% no pressure, one of the best people we know, and frankly, handsome as the day is long. Great cuddler, too, if that sways your opinion in any way. The Royals haven't been super active so far this offseason, but they have done a few things that reshape the roster a little bit and hopefully improve them for 2024. We'll just work through these things that they've done since our last episode. So hang with us here. Since the last time we recorded, the Royals protected Tyler Gentry and Will Klein just before rule draft deadline day. So if you don't know, that means they added those two players to the 40-man roster to protect them from being taken in the Rule 5 draft. To make room for them on the 40-man roster, the Royals designated Josh Stamont, Logan Porter, Diego Hernandez, and Nate Eaton for assignment. Mike, what do you think about the decision to protect Gentry and Klein and cut the other players? Well, I think those are the two guys that that most people had that you had to protect. Uh, Those are the two guys that are most likely to get taken. I think we maybe had maybe one other guy. I can't even remember who it was, but they might have kept. But or it was Christian Chamberlain, maybe I think was the other one. Maybe we were thinking, is that who? Am I thinking of the right guy? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, I think I thought we might they might keep Christian Chamberlain as well. But those were the guys you absolutely had to protect. And I'm glad that they did. I was a little surprised by some of the guys that they designated to clear spots. Josh Stamont, you know, the injury. But I wasn't like crazy surprised. Um, You know, those are all guys that you feel like are probably replacement level. Stamont has had years where he's a very productive major league reliever. But you wonder if the injury, the thoracic outlet that I think he had to have, you wonder how he comes back from that. That's kind of a tricky thing to come back from. And he didn't even look even before this year, he didn't look like he was all the way right. So um, I don't I'm not crying about any of those guys. Some of them are good stories. Logan Porter and Nate Eaton, especially. But um, yeah, I think they had to do those things. Yeah, I think it was a good idea to protect so few players because I don't think a bunch of their minor league guys are to get taken on the rule five. I'd be surprised if they lost anyone. But if they lose anyone, it's going to be a guy like Christian Chamberlain, a sort of relief prospect who's a long shot to stick in MLB. Those are a dime a dozen. They don't need to worry about losing those guys in the Rule 5 draft. So don't protect them. Like just just if teams want them, make them come get them. Protect the guys who actually might have value to you in the future or in the the immediate future in Gentry and Klein. And and they did that. And so I don't have any tons of concerns. Most of those guys, I think all of those guys, except for Stamont, have already re-signed with the Royals on minor league contracts or, you know, to, to cut, they're already back with the team, I think all of them. And so, you know, it's nothing super surprising here. They, they have, they protected the two guys they really needed to. We've seen years where they went out and, and protected six or seven guys in the rule from the rule five draft. Their farm system just is not that deep right now. And so they don't have a ton of guys up at the top who really need to be protected in any sort of way. And that means that they shouldn't be doing that. So I'm, I'm glad they didn't. Now, you might be saying to yourself, wait, they added two guys, but they cut four guys. The math inclined of you might pick up on that and say, wait, what about the other two spots? Well, one was taken by Nick Anderson, who the Royals got in a trade for cash back on November 17th. He's a 33-year-old right-handed pitcher from the Braves who's been a solid reliever when healthy. He had a 3.60 or 3.06 ERA in 35 and a third inning pitch last year. Mike, what are your thoughts on the Nick Anderson trade? Anderson for cash. I, I think it's great. I think it's the stuff that the Royals should be doing more of. Honestly, this is a guy who, when he's healthy, has proven he can be kind of a tent pole of a bullpen. He can be a guy that you know is going to give you uh, consistently good innings, can strike guys out, has has a strikeout pitch, I believe, in his curveball, if I'm not mistaken. I think he's more of a curveball guy. Um, but yeah, that's the kind of guy you have to get. Now, the, the thing is, the Royals need to add four more of him. Uh, that's the 
that's the crazy thing. And you do, you are gambling a little bit on the health because he hasn't had a, a healthy, you know, full season in a while, but no, that's the kind of guy you have to really go out there and get. There should be, there should be six Nick Anderson's in spring training for the Royals. Yeah. They're going to have to look for guys like him. Anderson was going to be non-tendered by the Braves, which is why he was available for trade, right? The Braves are trying to win a world series. They don't want to bank on Anderson being healthy. And so they were willing to trade him for cash, right? They have other guys they planned on going out to get to sure up their bullpen. And they've been doing that ever since they traded Anderson. And so the Braves are loading up in the bullpen. They didn't have room for a guy like Anderson who yes, his track record in terms of health is too spotty to rely on for them. For the Royals, it's perfect because they get an experienced guy. They have some upside maybe in that bullpen with guys like MacArthur and McMillan and Coleman and stuff like that, but very low on experience and guys who, when they're healthy, you can count on them. And so at least Anderson is that. Now, the health will always be a question, and that's fine. But when he's healthy, he seems like a reliable relief pitcher and who they can actually count on. And so I think it's a great move. I love this trade. All they got to give up for him was cash, no player capital. And so that's wonderful. And uh, hopefully he can uh, stay healthy for the entire season for the Royals. Will he be there? The number one guy out of their bullpen? Probably not, but a really solid third or fourth guy out of their bullpen. Yeah, probably. Let's see. The Royals paired that brave, that Braves trade with another trade that they did with the Braves uh, where they brought Kyle Wright over in exchange for Jackson Kowar. Kyle Wright is a 28 year old right-handed starter who had a breakout year with the Braves back in 2022 but has had trouble staying healthy and won't be available until the 2024 season. Mike, how are you feeling about Coar for Kyle Wright? This is such a beautiful trade and so forward thinking by the organization, something that they haven't done a whole lot of in the past. The Reels are probably not going to be very good in 2023 or sorry, 2024. They already were. They already weren't good in 2023, buddy. (laughs) You blacked it out from the trauma, but they already haven't been good for 2023. They're they're not going to be good in 2024 either. Yeah, I've tried. I've tried as much as possible. Um, But no, you go and you give a guy in Jackson Kowar who has proven absolutely nothing at the major league level. If anything, he's proven that he's not very good at pitching. And you get a guy who has an entire proven season where he was an effective major league starter. Okay, he was a top prospect. He was a high draft pick. He has had arm talent for his entire life in professional baseball. Yes, he's coming off of injury. Yes, he won't be available this year but you're going to get a year of him in 2025 if the Royals can sign a guy this year, okay, to a two-year deal. They need to sign another starter this year to a two-year deal. Then you're talking about having him and Wright along with Cole Reagans, okay? And you've got what looks like could be somewhat of a decent starting rotation along with any other moves that you make. So I think the Kyle Wright deal was a home run, a smash success, especially when you're planning for the years 25 and 26. Yeah. And to be clear, Wright does have 25 and 26 under team control. And so no matter what, they will have him for 2025 and 2026. So if they can get him back from injury, get him built back up, get him ready to be an effective starter for 2025 and 2026, that is just a gem of a trade for a guy like Jackson Coar. Is there risk associated with it? Absolutely. Health is always a big risky thing for pitchers. But Jackson Coar hadn't done anything for the Kansas City Royals and was going to be non-tendered. This was another non-tender trade for both teams. Both teams were going to non-tender these guys, and they said, let's take a shot on what the other guy has. And so the Braves are going to try and turn Jackson Coar into a serviceable reliever, and the Royals are going to try and get Kyle Wright back healthy and put him in a rotation with, you know, Cole Reagans and whoever else they end up signing this year. 
This is a home run trade. And it's just JJ showing that he can do, he has a knack for smart trades. He made two this offseason. That Anderson trade was technically a trade, even though it was cash. And then this right trade, that's two really smart trades. My issue isn't that he's making bad trades. It might be, if I have any issue with him, it's that he's not making and doing enough in terms of like signings and free agency and stuff like that. But I'll, I'll come back to that in a little bit. But the trades so far have been very smart, very wise. He traded for Cole Reagans and Nelson Velasquez. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy looks like he can, he can, he, he can get the good end of a deal. Problem is he's not doing enough transactions to really capitalize on those things. But um, yeah, I, I, so far from what I've seen from JJ in the trade department, it's been fantastic. Now, if you thought, hey, the Royals might go into the Rule 5 draft without a full 40-man roster, don't you worry. They went ahead and filled that 40-man roster by signing non-tendered utility man Garrett Hampson to a one-year, $2 million deal. This is their only major league free agent signing so far. Hampson is a former top 100 prospect who had a breakout year last year with the Marlins. He's sort of a light hitting on base guy with great speed who can play a lot of positions. Well, Mike, do you have thoughts on the signing of Garrett Hampson? Well, I I don't dislike the player. Uh, He's a fine player, I guess, but I don't understand it. He doesn't. I understand it. If you're, you're thinking you're going to move on from a Kyle Isbell or a Drew Waters. And you like this guy to play center field for you. If you like this guy to play center field for you and you think he can maintain that walk rate for an entire season, then okay, I, I kind of understand it. And you think he plays a pretty good center field. But other than that, if, you, if you're thinking of him as like a bench player, utility guy, which is what I think a lot of people think he is, you have that in Samad Taylor. You have that in, um, oh God, blanking on his name, third base. Nick Lofton. Thank you, Nick Lofton. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't understand. He's a right-handed bat like Nick Lofton. I don't understand that if you, if the utility role is going to be what you like him for, unless one of those guys gets moved or you just don't believe that Nick Lofton has what it is, has what it takes to be a major league, everyday major league player. Even then I don't, I don't see Hampson as an everyday major league player either. So I don't know. It's, it's a little baffling. I don't dislike the player though. There's certainly value in a $2 million deal for a guy with the tools that Hampson has. Yeah, Hampson, the Hampson signing in a vacuum is, is actually a good move for a team like the Royals. They're going to have great use for his position versatility. They're going to put him in a lot of different places. But you're right. You would suppose after making a move like this, they might be looking to move somebody like Nick Lofton, like Samad Taylor, like Drew Waters or something like that, because Hampson just doesn't fit in a lineup with a lot of those those guys. And so, you know, maybe they're like, oh, Nick Lofton's going to spend another year down in AAA or something like that. I have no idea. But Hampson, along with those guys, it's like sort of a redundant move. If you have all those other guys, they already have a bunch of position versatility on their team. They already have a bunch of backup outfield type options. And so it doesn't make a ton of sense for Hampson to be there, but he is a good player and could be valuable for them. So I'm not, I'm not really dissing on that. He, he did have a breakout year last year. And so you're sort of paying him for his best year in some ways, but that's fine. He was, he's not going to make that much money anyway. And so, you know, I think likely he's going to have a little bit of career regression from last year, but still, you know, you hope he can sort of be productive moving around the diamond for him. I wonder if, if this is something of a, Hey, if, if Michael Massey doesn't work out at the very least, if we have this guy, we know we can plug a guy and that's going to get on base. Makes me wonder about that kind of thing. Well, they think he can get on base. He's only ever gotten on base last season, right? That's He's been my, playing in the major leagues for like well. five years. Yeah. <laughs> He's only ever done it last <laughs> season. And so hopefully he keeps building on his last year. He's 29 years old, I think. And so hopefully he keeps building on his last year. He had a lot of pedigree as a top 100 prospect previously. But 
if he can build on his offensive production from last year, they have a really solid, it does help the bottom of their roster. They have a really solid guy in place to be a super utility player for them. The question is, what does this mean for some of the other guys on their team? What does it mean for the full construction of their team? Royals Weekly is brought to you by All In Physical Therapy. For one-on-one personalized physical therapy, we choose All In Physical Therapy. They took excellent care of our mother after surgery left her with pain and limited mobility in her arm. She loves to work out, be active. She got sick last week, so she scaled back to 1,200-pound deadlifts. You know, take it light. Just a light week for her. The excellent specialized care Mm -hmm. she got at All In Physical Therapy had her back to being active in no time. Her upper body, she just tore apart some phone books with her bare hands. You know, the easy stuff. Where'd she find the phone books is the question. Uh, All in Physical Therapy knows how to help athletes recover. It's owned and operated by Lee Summit's own Tommy Freebert, a former Arena League football player, Northwest Missouri State Bearcat, and a hell of a guy. They have offices in both Blue Springs and Lee Summit, so get over there to work with Tommy. Tell your doctor you want to do your physical therapy with the best of the best at All in Physical Therapy. To learn more, give them a call at 816-427-5300. That's 816-427-5300. Or visit their website at allin-pt.com. That's A-L-L-I-N-PT.com. The winter meetings are upon us. Winter has come, as they say. Uh, which means the offseason will really start to heat up now, theoretically anyway, as GMs meet to discuss trades, signings, and much more. The MLB draft lottery will happen on December 5th, which is Monday, I think. No, it's Tuesday, Tuesday, uh, with the Royals having an 18.3% chance of getting the top overall pick. The Rule 5 draft will happen on December 6th, which is Wednesday, though currently the Royals do not have an open 40-man slot, so if nothing changes, they couldn't make a selection at this point. Mike, let's start with the Rule 5 draft because it really interests me greatly. Do you think the Royals should make a selection this season? Of course I do. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense for them not to. Anytime you get an opportunity to improve your roster, if you're a team like the Royals, you have to take advantage of that. And the Rule 5 draft is a chance for you to look at all these different minor league players and find some tools to put on your team that lacks, let's be honest, it lacks a lot of tools. It lacks a lot of everything. A lot of the guys at the bottom of their 40 man, and I think he made this point on Twitter the other day, they're like replacement level or lower. You know, if you have no problem finding minor league free agents that could easily uh, replace the value of these guys. So why not go out and find a trait or two in a, in a rule five player and see if you can give them another one. And really here I'm talking most specifically about pitching, but if you can find a guy that has an elite fastball, and you can give him one other thing, you've created a productive major league player for nothing. Okay. For nothing costs you nothing. And so, yeah, I don't see that there's any downside to it. I would be looking very aggressively in the rule five. I think the Royals pick second in the rule five draft, if I'm not mistaken, give them pretty much the run of any, any player that they want. They just have to be willing to do it and to be creative and say, we can find a spot on our 40 man on our roster and keep this guy on it for the whole year basically on our big league roster and keep him on it for the whole year. And I, I, I don't see why they can't do that. Yeah. The, the truth is, and, and, and to be, to be 100% clear, there is a tiny cost to taking a rule five pick. You have to pay a hundred thousand dollars to the team that you're taking him from. Okay. Now, if you end up sending him back, you get half that money. back. That's not a cost. And so that's not really a cost <laughs> to them, but just to be 100% factual, which we always are in this program, as you know, right? 100% facts no, all the time. No, not, <laughs> not really. We, we make mistakes all the time, but anyway, Uh, It is malpractice to not take a rule five pick. Okay. It is just, there are two foot putts in the, in the GM game. 
right? And when you have a 106 loss team, taking a rule five pick is a two foot butt. Okay. When you have a roster that lost 106 games last year, taking a rule five pick is a two foot putt, right? Last year, the Los Angeles Dodgers took a rule five pick. Okay. They did it and the Royals did not. Okay. What does that say to you? Okay. They found room on their roster, <laughs> the Los Angeles Dodgers for a rule five pick. The Royals were like, no, thank you. Don't get it. I don't understand. And what's funny is some of these rule five picks ended up doing great things last year. The A's took a guy worth two F four last year. The Tampa Bay Rays took a guy who had a three and a half ERA as a reliever last year. These guys can be productive in the major leagues. They just have to be willing to get them. And the Royals, let's face it, have guys who they can easily cut from their 40 man. Jonathan Heasley had an ERA over seven last year. Okay. His expected ERA was over eight. He is an easy cut from the 40 man. Joshua Taylor is an easy cut from the 40 man. Max Castillo is an easy cut from the 40 man. Colin Snyder is an easy cut from the 40 man. And honestly, Nick Prado might be an easy cut from the 40 man as well. You could, of course, also find trade partners for all these guys if anybody's willing to take them for anything, but they probably aren't. And so, you know, whatever you got to do to get them off. There are other guys they could trade before the four, before the rule five. Salvi, Olivares, Drew Waters, guys like this who some have anticipated trades for. They could do that before the rule five to fury at 40 man spots. But there is absolutely no reason whatsoever they should not take at least one player in the 40 in the rule five draft. I would take two if I were them. Here's a fun fact for you. Back in 2021, Baltimore took two selections in the rule five draft. The second guy they got, Tyler Wells, has had pitched over 100 innings last year for the Orioles with an ERA under four. OK, he's had two seasons as an above average major league regular starter the last three years. And they took him in the second round of the rule five back in 2021. It can be done. They need to be doing it. I cannot believe I'm having this conversation because it seems insane if they end up going into the rule five with a full 40 man roster. With that in mind, Mike, Mike, give me your top position player and top pitcher. You would like to see the Royals draft in the rule five draft on Wednesday. You know, this is this was actually really fun. I got to look at the kind of a, a selection of different guys. And I'm not usually a guy that looks real hard at the rule five draft, but this was kind of cool. The first one I'm going to go with is Tanner Burns. Now, there's a lot of good reasons to like Tanner Burns. One, he's not quite 20. He'll be 25 years old this season. This is his whole 25-year-old season. He's a versatile right-handed pitcher. But here's one thing that I really like. He's from the Guardians organization, and he's very a very typical Guardians kind of pitcher. Uh, it also means that there may be some connection between uh, is it Sweeney and, uh, and Tanner Burns. So there may be at least some knowledge of what Tanner Burns has to offer. 3.31 ERA and a 25% K rate throughout his entire minor league career. That's very good. He is, and this is how he's kind of a, a traditional guardian style pitcher. He doesn't throw the ball super hard. It's like a low to mid nineties fastball, but it has great um, induced vertical break numbers. And he gets a lot of swing and miss on a fastball that doesn't go very hard. And he throws it quite a bit over 50% on his fastball. He's got a good slider and he has two other secondary pitches, a curveball and a changeup that he uses as well when he's starting, but he is also thrown out of the bullpen. So he's a versatile guy who's done both and he's had good numbers out of the pen as well. I think his ERA out of the pen and he's only done that a little bit last year, but I think he was like a one seven ERA out of the pen last year. I mean, this guy, not only is he perfect because he looks like he might be able to be a productive major leaguer down the road. He's perfect because it, he is the profile of a guy that can stick on your roster and help you throughout a year and not kill you. You know what I'm saying? 
he, he's not the kind of guy, you know, he, he's going to be able to play like a swing role. He's going to be able to, to help in, in the bullpen and probably pro- possibly make a start or two if you needed him to. And so Tanner Burns is the guy that I would go with, with that first round pick. If I, uh, if I was the Royals position player wise, there's a guy out of the Orioles organization uh, named Hudson Haskin, same age as Burns. He's going to be 25 years old here in like a month. Um, he's played 23 games at the AAA level already. Most of his stats are from AA. The last full season that he played, because he struggled with health, okay, but the last full season he played was 2022. He had a 264 batting average, a 367 on base, and a 455 slugging. So he's kind of that toolsy outfielder with speed. He can play all three outfield positions. He is played mostly in center, so he can play center field, and he walks at about 9% on average for, for you know, most of his minor league careers. So uh, I think that's another guy that you take a look at. As long as you like the exit velocity on his batted ball data, I think he's a home run uh, in, in this draft as well. Now, I don't know if he's the kind of guy I would take for the Royals because I would be looking more, still more at pitching. But you said one pitcher and one position guy. So this is the position guy I went with. Yeah, I did. And it would be my preference if they take two pitchers in this Rule 5 draft. And I think Tanner Burns is a guy I would leap all over to at number two. He's the one who I would say might go 1-1. If I had to put money on people going 1-1 in, in this uh, Rule 5 draft, Burns might be my my, my odds-on favorite to go 1-1 in the Rule 5 draft because – He's had success as a starter. He's had a lot of success. I mean, he hasn't relieved that much, but when he has been a relief pitcher, he has done very, very well. And so I think teams are going to look at him and say, oh, he'll translate really well to the major leagues, but we'll see on that one. Another guy who I think has a good chance to stick in Major League Baseball that first year as a Rule 5 pick, because remember, they have to stay in baseball at the Major League level for an entire year or they go back to their previous team, is a guy named Austin Pope. He's a guy I would love for the Royals to take. He's just a relief pitcher. He's not like Burns. He doesn't start right now. But he he is a 25-year-old right-handed pitcher out of the Diamondbacks organization. Has a 3.65 ERA across AA and AAA last year. Good strikeout and walk numbers, more than 11 Ks per nine. Uh, 3.11 walks per nine last year. A guy who these are the type of guys who typically stick. If they can strike guys out and not walk too many, they usually do pretty good at the major league level, even if they're making a jump up in competition. Right now, he's projected to have a four and a half ERA in, in major league baseball next year. Not terrible, but he would have been like the eighth or ninth best relief pitcher for the Royals last year. Honestly, I looked at the numbers earlier today. And so a four and a half ERA would, would, have, would fit in nicely, I think, with this group. And so Pope is a guy who I expect has a pretty decent chance to be taken. Hopefully the Royals give it a chance to take him at number two. I'd jump all over it if I could. There's a hitter who I like who they might even be able to get in the second round because I don't know if teams are going to be all over him. He, his name is Blaine Krim. He's a 26-year-old right-handed hitter, a first base only, first base DH type. He hit 289, 385, 506 last year, I think in AAA, I want to say. That was a two, that's a 217 ISO and a 114 weighted runs created plus. He doesn't chase much, so he's a good plate appearance from him. And he is a capable defender at first base. Even though he can only play first base, he's pretty good defensively there. And so he's a guy who, hey, if they end up trading Olivares and Salvi, you lose two right-handed bats from your lineup that are pretty good. Here's a guy who could come in and spell at DH, spell at first base, and give you an effective uh, a plate appearance at the major league level, I think. And so worth a shot in the, in the rule five draft, in my opinion. 
Besides the Rule 5 draft, the winter meetings usually mark the time when the offseason action really heats up. J.J. Piccolo came out and said the Royals are looking for a front-end starter this offseason, but some rotation help is already off the board. Aaron Nola re-signed with the Phillies, Sonny Gray signed with the Cardinals, mid-tier guys like Luis Severino and Kenta Maeda and Kyle Gibson have already signed. Mike, do you have thoughts on how free agency is shaping up so far for the Royals? Well, <laughs> like most Royals fans, I kind of worry, you know, I worry that the front office isn't being aggressive enough, uh, but I also worry that free agent players possibly don't want to come to Kansas City because they want to win. I mean, some of these guys are older. They've had a contract or big ARB numbers or things like that, and they're looking for a place that they can win and be successful. And if that's the case, Kansas City is not going to be all that attractive. So, yes, of course, you're going to have to overpay for those guys. But some of those guys are just going to say, no, we're not going there. Kansas City's not on my list. So I think eventually they get something done. But I'm always going to want the front office to be more aggressive when it comes to these things. I want the Royals setting the market, not having the market dictated to them. And that's that's a tough one, especially for a team that hasn't won a lot. You know, there's going to be some guys that are just hard nosed. And that that's worrisome to me. Yeah. And here's my thinking, like JJ came out and said that he wants a front end starter. Well, here's the thing. If you're willing to pay front end starter money, then that means you're willing to set the market for a mid tier guy by getting out way early and overpaying him. That's what they should have done. They should have gotten out way early and overpaid for a guy like Jack Flaherty or Seth Lugo or something like that. And that would have given them a better chance of making sure they get at least one of the guys they really, really want. My great worry about the waiting is eventually there's not enough supply to meet all the demand for starting pitching. There's just too much demand for it. And so by waiting, you do two things. One, you increase the competition for the last few guys on the market. And so their number goes up because they have now three teams. For example, let's say Martin Perez is left. Now you have three teams vying for Martin Perez because those other guys missed out on the top end starters. They want somebody. Now you have to compete against two other teams for Martin Perez, right? You also increase the risk that you're just going to be left without a chair, right? Like it's, it's almost musical chairs. And if you don't get in there before the music stops or right when the music stops, guess what? You could be left without a chair and the Royals could be left without the starting pitching help they need. If they're not willing to be aggressive, they are not aggressive in free agency. As good as JJ has been in trades, he is not aggressive enough in this free agency period because I would have been out there and he has been aggressive enough in a lot of ways. So part of it is that free agency, that starting free agency, they haven't been as aggressive as I would have hoped they would have been in minor league free agency either. There were some minor league free agents and I put out a list of these on Twitter, minor league uh, pitchers that I thought they could get on minor league contracts who could help bolster the big league uh, bullpen at some point. They haven't signed any anybody. They've signed one minor league relief pitcher and that's it. Right. And so they're just not really out there being as aggressive to do things with the market that they could be. And that's what's really throwing me right now. It's it's not that I don't think anything will ever get done. There's still time. Uh, but I just wish they understood that it makes more sense at this point to get out early and try and set the market than then wait and just wait till other guys sort of set it for you. Given what's left on the market, Mike, what do you think they need to do? Where do you think they need to go with free agency? Well, obviously still pitching like that. That's been the whole thing all last year into this off season. Um, Jordan Montgomery is still available. Eduardo Rodriguez is still available. Those are the two guys I would be looking at heavily. Uh, Montgomery Rodriguez is a 30 year old lefty uh, who opted out of his deal with the Tigers. 
uh, 3.3 ERA last year in 152 innings. He's been a solid major league pitcher his entire career between three and a half and four and a half ERA all the time. Um, decent strikeout numbers around 20% for his strikeout numbers. His walk numbers are not great, but they're not bad either. Uh, he's just a, a solid lefty in a major league rotation. And, and he's for the most part been healthy in his career as well. Jordan Montgomery, we all saw kind of what he did in the postseason with the Rangers, 31-year-old lefty. Um, you know, he's been good with the exception of a couple of years with the Yankees. Uh, talks are that he, or word is that he wants to be back in, with the Rangers, but you never know kind of if that gets done. So those are the places that I would go. And I would also still be going and looking for bullpen help as well. I would do both. I think they need one of those guys and another bullpen piece in free agency. I would never pay Jordan Montgomery because you are paying for that playoff performance. And it's like, it's a crapshoot. Like the play, like I would never pay for Jordan Montgomery. He's one of the guys I would stay away from this off season because his market's going to be way too inflated about on stuff that doesn't really matter. And so, yeah, I don't forget the, the he, he pitched a regular season and was just meh, you know, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not paying for Jordan Montgomery personally. Uh, but anyway, there are a couple guys I'm interested in and they're mid-tier guys. I think they can get some mid-tier guys. Like JJ might say, I want a front-end starter, but he doesn't have to pay for front-end money if he doesn't want to. There's a guy I think he might be interested in, Michael Waka. To me, represents a front-end guy and then he'll think of that as a front-end guy. Uh, but I'd be interested in two guys like Seth Lugo and Martin Perez. Lugo had an ERA in the threes over the course of like 146 innings last year. Perez is a guy who's really interesting because his market's going to be suppressed because he, his strikeout numbers went way down last year. And so he could be an interesting buy low option in my mind. Uh, he, he pitched 141 innings, still had a 4.45 ERA, which isn't terrible. And then in 2022, he had a 2.89 ERA in almost 200 innings. So we're talking about a guy who has the capacity to at least as a four be a major league average starter. If I were them, those are the kind of guys I would be interested in guys who look like, okay, no matter what, we have a safe floor with them and we can ensure that the three through five positions in our rotation aren't destroyed, aren't, aren't just like total write-offs for us. And we can say like, okay, at least we have a couple of guys who are going to be major league average for us. I think that would go a long way to helping their pitching staff, honestly. And let's not forget, if he wants a splash, Blake Snell is still out there. I don't think he's coming here, but he's out there. You know, the guy from Japan is still out there. Don't think that's happening either. Yeah. Shoto Imanaga. Yeah. That's an interesting thing to bring up. So I'm glad you brought up his name because I don't think people are like looking at, no, I, uh, I didn't, I didn't remember his name. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. His name is Shoto Imanaga. <laughs> I think it's Imanaga like with an A, uh, but he great pitcher from Japan, lefty 30 years old. There were talks that the Royals were interested in him. There were like rumors out there that the Royals were interested in him, but his price tag is going to be even more than people thought. Like originally I saw an estimate that was like five years, 85 million. And then you'd end up paying an additional 15 million as a posting fee to his Japanese club. Now I'm seeing that he's going to want a hundred million dollars and stuff like that. It's like the Royals don't want to pay what you're going to give Shoto Imanaga, the richest contract in your franchise's history after coming off a 106 loss season to a pitcher who's never pitched in major league baseball. That seems crazy to me. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of his, I love him, and I, and I would be very excited if they did it, but that's a big, big risky swing when you haven't, you lost 106 games last year. Like to me, it's like you might be sinking a bunch of money into a guy who gets you to 75 wins instead of like, or, or up to 65 wins. Ooh, you know, like 
it just it, it makes very little sense to make a splash move like that to me unless you're just doing it for PR purposes, which also makes no sense to me. And so I'd go ahead and go out there and, and, and draft a couple of major league average guys or a couple of slightly above average guys before I'd go out and try and make a big splash like Michael Walker, who's going to command 20 million a year. Go out and get a guy who's going to command 12 to 15 million a year. Get a couple of them. And then you got a good solid base for your rotation. Royals Weekly is brought to you by Nap Family Wealth. Mike, can you think of anything more important than securing your financial future? Um, have you ever had a s'more favorite flavored Pop-Tart? No. Good, because they're disgusting. <laughs> securing your financial future is one of the most important steps someone can take for themselves and their family, and Nap Family Wealth is ready to help you pursue it. This isn't some big faceless corporation we're talking about here. Nap Family Wealth is run by JC Knapp. He's a huge baseball fan, and he's been helping people plan for their financial futures for 20 years. He can help with retirement planning so you don't have to work until you're dead, education planning so your kids learn to read good, investment management so you can get all that money from out of your mattress and get it working for you. Don't spend another day thinking you've got it all figured out because trust me, you don't. Check out Nap Family Wealth at napfamilywealth.com. That's K-N-A-P-P familywealth.com. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA slash SIPC. We'll end this week's episode like we end every episode with our Just a Bit Outside segment, where we talk about something that's interesting to us outside the world of baseball. Mike, it's been a month since we did this. What has been happening to you outside the world of baseball? Let's make it interesting. Well, there's been so much happening to me outside the world of baseball. Switch to AT&T Fiber, internet. Yeah, what's up? Um, nice. So many other things that I promise are real, okay? I'm not just pretending that things happen to me. But in, I decided to talk about something that's a little, just, it, it's something I'm working through. So I've been a, a Twitter person for a very, very long time. And some might say obsessed. I, I've, I flipped through the bird app like crazy. It's what, when I have nothing to do, that's what I'm doing. Just flipping through the bird app. I love, like I get, I follow a ton of news organizations on there um, because I like to keep up with what's going on. You know, I follow history stuff, baseball, tons of baseball stuff, football content, all that sort of stuff. But it has become not something I enjoy doing anymore. Uh, the advertising on there is real weird. Lots of Nazis and weird shit. And so I'm like, I've been for the last few months, I've been really getting tired of it. And so when I originally started or when you originally started the threads account for Royals Weekly and kind of said, hey, will you run the threads account? I was like, sure. And I went on there and I was doing a bunch of stuff during the baseball season. And it was like, and I think I said it on here. It was like an empty cavern. Like it was, there was, I was just talking to the abyss, man. And, uh, and it was, and I was like, yeah, that's not great because then when I'm following content, there's just not a lot being put on there. Well, over the last like month, it, that has changed. There has been a lot more people and organizations, especially news organizations who are posting a lot on threads. And so over the last like two weeks, I've started to migrate more to threads and I'm really enjoying it. It's, it's odd. Like I, I, it's, it's like the original days of Twitter when I first got on there. And so I've been using threads a lot more and I've just really been liking it. You know, it's, it's, it's where I'm probably going. So if you follow me on Twitter and you like my individual account, a lot of you guys follow my individual account on Twitter. Um, you may notice that I'm not posting there as much. But go over to Threads and follow the Royals Weekly account. That's been my, the place I've been for the last, especially the last couple of weeks. 
just been on there. I, I haven't posted a lot on there yet, a little bit. Um, it's a little different when I'm doing it for Royals Weekly versus when I have my own account. My own account, I can talk about whatever DGen shit I want to because it's my, just my account. Mark's not associated with it in any way. <laughs> I have to be a little more careful when it's the Royals Weekly account because Mark is associated with it. And I don't want to besmirch his good name, that good doctor. And so, uh, but it's, it's threads has been, a, how dare you besmirch the name of Mead? Yeah. Well, I've been doing that my whole life. No, nobody's uh, ever done that before. <laughs> um, but, uh, it's been a riff. It's been a breath of fresh air to be on threads and just, uh, you know, get away from some of the, uh, the negative toxic shit on Twitter. Yeah. I mean, that makes perfect sense to me. I'm not, I'm not sure that, uh, or I'm not sure that Twitter will, uh, uh, survive, I guess the leadership of it currently has or at least survive and thrive the way it did previously. It wouldn't surprise me if threads in some way overtakes it as a, as a platform, just because, you know, nobody wants to associate themselves with the type of people that the uh, CEO of Twitter currently wants to associate himself with. So, you know, that's how it is. Um, I'm going to talk about something called the, I'm calling the importance of intellectual humility. Okay. So, the internet has creates this weird phenomenon where you get to interact with people and you don't know that much about them and, and all this sort of stuff. But you, it means that somebody who knows virtually nothing about a subject can interact with somebody who knows a whole lot about a subject. Right. And what I see sometimes are things that I find quite hilarious. Uh, when somebody uh, acknowledges, like it tries to challenge someone uh, about like a topic, like uh, there's a famous one out there about like uh, it's like astrophysics or something. And this person is like, responds to this woman about astrophysics and she, he's like, that's not how this works, blah, 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 blah. And this, and this, like you're talking about a book that this person wrote. And then the person's like, I wrote that book. Like that was for me. <laughs> like, and so you see this weird thing where like people who know virtually nothing and are just like hobbyists or, or, or know actually nothing about a subject are sort of talking to the, the heavy hitting intellectuals of that subject, people who devote their entire adult lives to studying a thing. And then they're like, Oh no, I can tell you about that thing. It's like, uh, the only I tried to come up with an analogy for it. And originally I was like, well, what would I tell like a, a NASCAR mechanic how to change someone's oil or something like that? Like uh, it, it's crazy, right? Like, or if, if I went up to like a NASCAR driver and I was like, you're not doing it right. You see, you need to turn this way. Like that would be insane. And I say this mostly <laughs> thinking about myself, right? Because I am an expert at one thing. And that one thing is writing and rhetoric, right? Like that is my expertise. I went to get a PhD in that subject. I've taught at some of the best universities, but for some reason, and I think it's because everybody writes, like we all can do it at a basic level. Like we all learn how to write in school. And I think this is why people try and tell me about writing and argument and stuff all the time. Like it happens constantly, whether it's just like another person I talk to at work or something like that. They, they try and tell me about writing and rhetoric. And it's hard for me to just be like, to not be like, I, I don't need you to tell me about this. Like stop talking because it kills me. It kills me to hear you talk about the subject. I spent a, de a decade studying like, you know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. So stop talking about it. Okay. Like have some intellectual humility, be willing to open your ears, either digital ears or actual ears, and listen to somebody who knows what they're talking about, who studied that thing for years and years and years or whatever. And this is a particular problem I have to mention. It's a particular problem for people who are women and experts in certain fields. They have this happen to them all the time. Um, but it's something that I think a healthy dose of intellectual humility 
is only going to help us grow and learn and become better ourselves. So if you know about like stuff I don't know about, like cars, homes, actually almost everything that almost everything (laughs) other than like writing and rhetoric, I'm going to listen to you, right? Like if you're an expert in that thing, I'm going to listen to you, but just have some humility, open those ears up. It's good for you. I promise. Anyway, that's my thing for this week. We will be back at least in one month. If the Royals do something special, we might come back next week if, if they do something big at the at the winter meetings. Uh, but at the very least, we will come back in one month with another episode. Until then, be good to each other. And go Royals. <laughs>